And so the beatings and the gassing and the decades of solitary confinement, you know, was really all painful and difficult. It never got to the point where they were able to break us. We're going to leave it there now and do part two and post it online at democracynow.org. Albert Wood Fox's book, Solitary, Unbroken by Four Decades in Solitary Confinement, My Story of Transformation and Hope. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. This is KBOO Portland. The time now is 8 o'clock. Coming up next, positively revolting host Ani Haynes and guest Teresa Mitchell discuss transgender and non-binary issues. KBOO Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor Let Your Mind Bloom! Spring Psychic Fair on Sunday, April 7th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Rosewood Initiative in Portland. Let Your Mind Bloom Spring Psychic Fair features practitioners and healers from many different modalities, as well as local vendors, arts and crafts, and a fairy photo booth. Again, that's Let Your Mind Bloom Spring Psychic Fair on Sunday, April 7th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Rosewood Initiative, 16126 Southeast Stark Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of Challenging the Both Sides Narrative, Difference Between Fascist and Antifa Movements in the Trump Era, on Thursday, April 4th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Cider Riot in Portland. Challenging the Both Sides Narrative is a talk by Dr. Stanislav Vysotsky. This talk will provide an overview of contemporary fascist and anti-fascist movements with a focus on the key differences between them. Again, that's challenging the both sides narrative, difference between fascist and Antifa movements in the Trump era, on Thursday, April 4th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Cider Riot, 807 Northeast Cooch Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. What would you have instead? Uh, ah, no, this is it. There comes a time when every second, every day, when every action, every thought will tell the Good morning. Good morning. 
We have a lot to talk about this morning. You are listening to KBOO Portland, your very own community radio station. And I'm Ani, your host of Positively Revolting. That's where you're at right now, listening to Positively Revolting. And this morning, my guest is none other than KBOO's very own Teresa Mitchell. I'm ready to get revolting. And, uh, you know, as as happens every now and again, there is uh, some cross-pollination going on. And uh, Teresa, the mm, host kinky. of Press Watch, uh, uh, is, uh, is here this morning to help me really dig into the topic of what is so discomforting around trans and gender non-conforming identities that uh, we have the fevered pitch of backlash that we see going on around us. So what do I mean exactly? For the last six months or so, we've seen the administration put forth uh, policy uh, and act, uh, you know, threats uh, to basically uh, advance trans erasure. As um, trans rights were gaining some ground over the last several years, it is now in a backlash stage, right? And we have seen some really unfortunate, uh, maddening, just maddening alliances. I'm just going to put it right out there. Maddening alliances. Uh, Like just a couple months ago when we had the Heritage Foundation, that's right, the anti-queer, misogynist, uh, conservative group actually invite some uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminists to uh, have a panel to discuss how dangerous uh, it would be to actually extend trans rights. Um, That, to me, was just one of the key... um, happenings, key occurrences that highlights to me it is time to really dig into this issue, not only uh, to talk about how the Christian right uh, is uh, at, at fault uh, for trans erasure and for inciting trans hatred and bigotry, but in fact, I want to actually look within uh, the, so I want to look within the canon of feminism because there are actually some people that believe that they can be feminist and anti-trans. And I'm here to say, no, I think actually you cannot be feminist and anti-trans, um, for any of a number of reasons. But that's sort of, that's where we're going this morning. That's the show. I hope that you want to get involved in this conversation and you can do so. Uh, you can get involved in the conversation by calling 503-231-8187. And Teresa, thank you so much for uh, for coming on this morning and to uh, help us sort of dig down into uh, this issue. So in the last couple of days, there was an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, that basically... Uh, it talks about this this issue. Um, it talks about how, in fact, uh, trans people uh, are uh, basically not legitimate, right? Um, and to me, it's like we're we're here in this day and age where we have some basic human rights acceptances, right? We hopefully, hopefully. Uh, believe that women have souls, you know, that 
you know that that there is um, an egalitarianism, right? That that could be flourishing. And now, what we see is uh, this backlash again, where we have uh, folks saying, "Yeah, but yeah, but trans people don't actually exist. It's delusional." Uh, that 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 this is not actually a valid uh, condition, scientifically speaking, or anything else. It's just a belief, right? And and I find that maddening, and it flies in the face of scientific evidence. Uh, you want to talk about that Wall Street Journal uh, op-ed piece? Well, you can't. Um, well, thanks for having me on, and I really wanted to continue this discussion, um, which I brought up on my show yesterday. Uh, this article um, by Abigail Schreer. This is at least the second time they've been, uh, the Wall Street Journal has been prominently running Schreer. And uh, you, you can't read it because it's behind a paywall. Uh, but you can find reference to it on uh, conservative sites. Uh, you can see the first uh, couple of sentences, which are bad enough, um, starts off with a hedge, but then says, women uh, need actual safe spaces, not from intellectual challenge, of course, but from physical threat of harm from men. So, who would argue with that? Um, yeah, women need safe spaces from threat of physical harm from men because of rape culture. It happens, right? Uh, goes on further. As a biological matter, most women are physically outmatched by men. She's making this argument. And <laughs> the sneaky part is she's talking about transgender women. And uh, she's just going to go on talking about uh, transgender women as men and pretend that there's no difference and that uh, we aren't women. And, uh, you know, it goes on, men are stronger and faster than we are, but we're better able to tolerate pain and tend to live longer. And, and this, is, uh, this is a sneaky little thing, and, and I can challenge it by uh, a little reductio by saying women need uh, actual safe spaces. And uh, that uh, as a biological matter, most women are physically outmatched by women weightlifters. Um, women weightlifters are stronger and faster than we are, though, you know, there's not a problem in her mind, in Abigail Schreer's mind, in the, uh, the uh, anti-transgender mind uh, with women weightlifters. Women have a right to be weightlifters, of course. Um, and what she's saying is, of course, and, and she's saying it in a, in a way that uh, she wants to slide it under the rug that uh, transgender women are men. <clears throat> and uh, well, she's basically she's calling out uh, the Equality Act, right? Yeah, uh, and saying that this Equality Act actually uh, endangers women, and uh, that it equals a, a sort of erasing of what it is to be a woman. And basically, anytime somebody says that rights extended to a group says that you are less. I'm, I'm pretty much going to say that's a safe place to start looking at you're probably wrong, right? When we increase the rights of any group, uh, it does not mean there are less rights for others, right? Human rights is not a zero-sum game. Well, and yeah, and the problem she's trying to talk about, I mean, she wants first she wants to frame it without intellectually framing it, which is underhanded. It's mendacious. Uh, she needs to just come out and, and say that uh, what she believes that uh, there's no such thing as transgenderism and that uh, all trans women are actually men and that they want to attack women. So 
if she did that, then you could uh, more easily question, you know, what is the basis of your fear? So if you Google transgender bathroom attacks, as I just did, you can see link after link after link. And they're not about women being attacked by transgender people because it just doesn't freaking happen. I'm sure somewhere, somehow it's happened, but I can't find it. And uh, so it's and, it, like, and it's kind of one of those things that, that considering how pitched that that uh, cry has been right uh the attacks the any second now women are not safe uh we cannot have trans bathrooms we can't have non-gendered bathrooms we can't have you know because again uh it will it will cause uh, all manner of mayhem but in fact uh it's it's if there had been Examples we would see those prominently put forth. Look, as happened in this case and happened in that case, the fact that there are no examples that they are putting forth, I think again just underscores the lie that is the basis of that. Um, yeah, that I mean, hysteria. you can find more articles on people being attacked by snakes coming out of toilets. Now, that's an extremely rare thing. It's not a problem. People are not passing bills in Congress to protect toilets from snakes. Um, but some people are terrified when they use a toilet and they check to make sure that there's not a snake there because they're you know they need to go see a therapist basically. If you're, if that's where you're at, unless maybe you're in Florida, I don't know, but, (laughs) but, uh, that's why it's called transphobia. This is a phobia. This is not real. Right. And that's Uh, actually the conservatives hate that. And conservatives like to say, oh, I'm not afraid of it. But yes, yes, you are clearly because you're reacting to something that simply doesn't exist. There is no threat. Now there is an aspect of this that I do want to bring up and I actually do want to talk about, and that is rape culture and whether transgenderism is understood. And, uh, and as I was mentioning yesterday, I'm careful how I use my voice in a public restroom. Uh, I simply don't, or I feminize it. And uh, I'm really careful about that because rape culture exists and people hearing my voice might not know whether some guy is coming into the restroom. Now this, this also is fairly rare, but not apparently just from trying to look it up, not as rare as a transgender woman attacking them. So I don't want women to feel nervous put off. I don't want women to feel anything negative just from the fact that I need to go pee. Um, and that's that's how I framed it. So this gets us back to what is the real agenda here? You know, is Abigail Schreer, for example, really so irrational? I think maybe not. I think this is just coming out. I think this is coming out of something else. And so I want to make a hypothesis. I, I want to make a guess. I want to guess that the real problem is that women women's personalities are deformed by gender disparity, by patriarchy, by being raised as a woman, by being under constant threat of rape even when you're a little girl and and you have to adjust for everything and not just rape, but you know the, the whole spectrum of oppression that comes with being female. And I didn't grow up with that quite exactly. To the extent that I was feminine, I certainly was subject to attack. And I was rather feminine from time to time. I, I, it took me a while to learn how to really effectively hide it. Uh, part of that was was getting stronger. Part of that was becoming physically powerful. Uh, but it, it wasn't the same as my sister, for example. I didn't have to fear what she feared. And uh, that's a privilege. And I've grown up with it. And, uh, you know, it's something I have to be aware of. Uh, as I was just saying, in terms of the bathroom, that sort of thing. But it isn't quite the same as <laughs> as growing up a cis male. And cis males could always sniff me out. I was never welcome 
in their company, in, in the company of like manly men, they can always figure it out. But that's hedging. Uh, I'm hedging around the fact that, and what I think the core of this is, is like this is about unacknowledged or insufficiently acknowledged oppression of women. And so I would, I would say to Abigail and those who support Abigail's point of view, what you really need is to double down on just how oppressed women are and not try to pretend that transgender people have created or, you know, greatly exacerbated the situation. And and this is why I've I've been excited to have this conversation on the air with you, uh, because I might have a slightly different take on this. As somebody growing up queer and, uh, you know, female-bodied, I I have another sort of experience. Um, I'm going to throw out that phone number again and encourage your calls. 503-231-8187. I'm going to talk about the Michigan Women's Music Festival. I went to the Michigan Women's Music Festival for three years running in the 80s um, because as a uh, college-aged queer woman, I was super, super excited by the stories I'd heard from my friends about Michigan, about this uh, sort of Shangri-La that, that came together annually, built by women, for women, attended by women, no men allowed anywhere. And I thought, what would that be like to just be in a space where I didn't have to think about the male gaze, where I didn't have to think about the patriarchy for a minute, where I could just be amongst women, who I was pretty sure at that point, as I was 20, uh, were possibly, you know, the goddesses' children, chosen children, and and we could create this sort of heaven on earth and and live in this egalitarian wonderland. And it was with those very idealistic views that I went to Michigan the very first time, and I found out, in fact, that women ran the gamut. Strangely enough, from uh, you know amazing, brilliant, uh, you know beings of uh, heroism, to total jerks go figure the full range of humanity right there and i it was like kind of an eye-opening experience are you saying the xx chromosome doesn't present doesn't protect from jerkness i'm you know i was gobsmacked i was gobsmacked uh and uh and rather disillusioned but i've been also uh you know i went back the next year not for as long a tour of duty because i was like okay maybe i'm uh, not catching something here in the next year, as I uh, uh, was there, I, I started having um, a romantic uh, involvement with another of the uh, women on, on the land. And um, we had maybe uh, expressed some interesting ideas that were not generally a part of the accepted uh, canon. All right. That is... Um, that the person I was I was uh, getting acquainted with was interested in BDSM, and there were BDSM uh, groups and affiliated. Uh, you know, like, hey, you interested in this? You know, meet us in the meadow. We're gonna have a chat at three o'clock in the afternoon, and we can talk about, you know, uh, safer sex and stuff and such. And and I thought, yeah, this is this is interesting. Let's let's you know. And then, in fact, I find out that there is a, a very uh, vocal 
a group of women, and in fact, it was the women in power. It was the women in control of the festival, uh, and, and also uh, throughout, but very much so, the women in control of the festival, uh, said that, in fact, this is not allowed. This expression of sexuality is not allowed. And I thought, really? And then I, uh, you know, am talking to some, and, and realizing, oh, they're not wild about this expression of sexuality either. They're really not wild about this expression of, uh, you know, personal identity. Well, not- gestures to the left and the right, I, I, <laughs> yeah, say I, I, I know. <laughs> I, I need video. Radio gestures. <laughs> Let's just say I'm gesturing a lot. <laughs> and And the thing about it is that what I found was there was this group of people who called themselves radical feminists who wanted to control my identity, my behavior, and my being with every bit as much judgment as any conservative ever had. I stopped using the term lesbian for myself right about then because there is no way I wanted to be associated with this group of people who were as judgmental, as non-accepting, and in my mind, as damaging to my being as any conservative think tank uh, Bible-thumping preacher might be. So that's where that came from. I've noticed over the years, if I say lesbian, you're like, nope. (laughs) Try again. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, this confuses me. So, you know, dyke for yourself. For for myself. Okay. You know, and uh, it, and and it's it's nomenclature for myself, right? Uh, I not to diss on anyone who wants you know whatever label you want to apply to yourself, cool. But for me, I have not been able to use the term lesbian since some vociferous arguments. Let's just say in the great state of Michigan, somewhere around 1987, 88, and because I again, uh, there's this um, to me an absolute disconnect between saying that we empower women. We, we are here to make sure that, uh, that, that egalitarianism is centered, that uh, we are supporting uh, women across the board, and we get to define who you are, how you are, <laughs> and what you get to do. So 32 years Anathema. on, so, so you're saying that, um, so, so this is applied to my hypothesis about why these anti-trans women what what their motivation is mm-hmm. and and I'm applying that to your hypothesis yes okay so so how does that work uh that that works because we have um how does that work basically i guess what i'm saying is that there is this um it's not so much a fear i guess mm-hmm. well i guess you could say it's fear it's a need to control right and that is, I think, at the forefront. It's a need to control. And there, uh, the the so-called uh, gender essentialists uh, or TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, uh, have a deep-seated need to control uh, women, women's power, women's sexuality, women's identity, they get to define it. They want to be the gatekeepers. And just as uh, uh, conservatives want to be the gatekeepers for how one expresses themselves, you know, so, so do the TERFs. So, so I'm, uh, I'm diluting their brand. Basically. Yeah. Um, 
we also have some folks on the on the line. Let's uh, go ahead and pull them on the air, shall we? Alrighty. Uh, good morning, Joseph. You're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, I have something I want to say and relate a story about what happened in junior high. Basically, it was uh, that I saw a bunch of boys at a basketball game, and it was my first time at a Catholic school, so I felt like I'd gone into some sort of a wild space because I saw something that just appalled me where a bunch of boys were grabbing at girls as they went by to try to take a seat. And I was just, I couldn't even wrap my head around what I was seeing. My my memories want to say that I said something, but I, I, I think we make up memories. Mm. But what what this evolved into is, I, I'm hearing you say this about these, these group of women that, and, and it just blows my mind. I never thought about that. I always think about people who are in certain groups and they just foment this, but I guess what comes to mind is a sort of crowd mentality where people sort of egg each other on. And I think that we have to, instead of being a group of these people or a group of that, we all have to mix together to change each other and, and get to know each other. Um, I think perceptions happen because people just hang around with the kind of people they want to and they they develop these things and uh i just want to say thanks for talking about this hey joseph thanks for your call this morning yeah well this kind of brings up uh the fear need to (coughs) excuse me the fear and need to control connection uh maybe and i've i've been saying in the last several weeks that uh, conservatism comes out of fear and need to control so maybe uh trans exclusionary feminists are um are really more conservative. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. That is that that's pretty much it. Because <clears throat> so maybe they belong at the Heritage Foundation. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> except that except that the Heritage Heritage Foundation uh, would never accept them. Yeah, they I mean it's easy I mean, to this... find anti-feminist articles from the Heritage Foundation. Absolutely. And so uh it just blows my mind that uh that this desire to control and gatekeep identities is so deeply seated that these women would actually act against their own identities to get together to hate on somebody else like that to me is just uh beyond nonsensical right it is outrageous it is maddening um and it just kind of makes me want to you know sort of walk up and have a very animated discussion yeah that's it a very animated discussion with a turf uh just saying i would think that would be interesting um the ultra i'm gonna go ahead and just uh you know this was in uh, january of this year that the ultra conservative heritage foundation actually had a panel of trans exclusionary radical feminists um at their event it was the inequality of the Equality Act concerns from the left. I'm putting air quotes around the left because near as I can figure, you know, these are not bedfellows that ever need to be made. Um, It featured, this panel featured four panelists from the Women's Liberation Front, a radical feminist group whose primary mission is to oppose transgender rights. Uh, there are several articles written by folks of this mindset talking about how uh, the recognition of trans and non-conforming, uh, non-gender conforming identities erase what it is to be a woman. How does that work exactly? Um, and again, for a movement that rallied around biology is not destiny, 
I'm finding this to be somewhat confusing. And let's just say internally inconsistent. Yeah, that's it. Let's say internally inconsistent. Well, heck yeah. Can I, can I quote some of uh, Heritage Foundation on feminism? Let's go ahead and take a call from Mike okay. first. All right. And then we'll uh, get into that quoting from the Heritage Foundation. Um, 503-231-8187 is the number to call. And good morning, Mike. You're on the air. Well, good morning, Kabu. Good morning. Yeah, um, yeah, very brave of you, and I'm glad you're out there um, getting uh, learning and also teaching. Hopefully um, you don't stop going to conventions like that and and stop teaching. I hope you keep teaching. Um, I've uh, learned a lot from Ani DeFranco and her poetry and She's music. She's got a great name. Her, <laughs> Uh, uh, activism, yeah, it's amazing. And uh, I've shared different recordings with uh, women I've known over the years, and I can think of at least three examples of uh, moments when women have come to me afterwards and and um, just in conversation, like, oh yeah, that that um, that was a good record. I like the music. But something struck me in the recording Ani DeFranco has of called Reprieve. It's a very mature um, later recording. And there's a song, Reprieve, they referred to, There's, but they weren't referring to the song, they were referring to the line that struck them like a thunderbolt of awareness. Um, feminism, and the quote is, feminism, and, and, and DeFranco kind of whispers this. We're still at the whispering stage, so you know, understand that, Ani, that, you know, you're, you're in, you were talking loudly in a whispering stage moment. <laughs> but anyway, she, uh, she whispers this, feminism isn't about equality, it's about a reprieve. Mm. And that's the quote, and it struck these women so deeply that they shared it back with me, that, geez, just give us a break. Yeah, for I, a second. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that line, but I, I actually think, no, feminism is really, it's about equality. And, and I'm going to hold to it that. It will be, but you almost have to have this awareness that this compassion, I guess that's what I'm talking about. Equality isn't necessarily compassionate. Oh, yeah, it compassion is. Compassion and love is. <laughs> compassion and love is compassionate, and equality is actually the only compassionate answer, right? And yeah, stop the violence. Of course, we have to stop right. the violence first. That's the reprieve that that line refers to. Uh, but you know, again, and I maybe I need to be more grateful in my life. I don't know, but I tend not to thank people for not harming me. Right? I that's like the lowest bar possible, and so I'm not really grateful to somebody for not causing me harm. Right. Right. right, I'm grateful well, you know when somebody is, uh, extends. Art is funny that way. I I didn't take it just as violence. I took it as literally like the whisper yeah. implies. Yeah, yeah. It's it listen. Do you see me? Yeah. Do you listen to me? I mean, that's that's the level that you're still at. So, um, yeah. We're just keeping that in mind. And thank you, Kabu. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm I'm uh, impatient, <laughs> and I I needed to move faster than that. And I think uh, that that is true for pretty much, mm, yeah, most of us in this world today. We are uh, we're running out of time. We're running out of patience. I am sick of the femicide. I am sick of uh, trans murder and trans erasure. 
I am sickened by the hatred and misunderstandings, uh, the uh, misconceptions that are being deliberately put forth by uh, people like the Heritage Foundation and people like uh, Wolf. Uh, That, to me, is anathema to anything I'm about, and I'm done with it. So 503-231-8187 is the number to call this morning. Uh, jump on in. We would love to hear from you and uh, and join in this conversation. I'm Ani. I'm here with Teresa this morning. This is Positively Revolting on KBU, your community radio station. At 9 o'clock coming up will be Linda Olson-Osterlin. She is interviewing William Arkin, former NBC journalist and the author of Top Secret America, The Rise of the New American Security State. She'll be taking your calls uh, at 9 o'clock during that interview. At 10 o'clock, it's Film at 11. It's a confusingly named show, but there it is. At 10 o'clock, Film at 11 with Doug Holm and Mona Bowen. At 10.30, Suzanne Legrand interviews science writer, lecturer, and author Thomas Hager, who will be discussing his newly published book, Ten Drugs, How Plants, Powders, and Pills Have Shaped the History of Medicine. At 11 o'clock, Making Contact looks at the nonviolent path of Cesar Chavez, whose birthday it is this Sunday. Also, Kathleen Stevenson, happy birthday. Um, all of these KBU programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to kboo.fm and click donate. So, Teresa, you had this stuff that you were going to talk about right before we took Mike's call. Well, I realized when you were talking about the uh, uh, Michigan Women's Festival 32 years ago <laughs> that uh, not everyone knows what the Heritage Foundation is. It was one of the uh, prime. It was one of the primary movers behind Reaganism and it's that kind of conservatism and uh, it's a you know to say that it's conservative it is it's also powerfully uh, inveigled into the society and, and uh, it's easy to find anti-feminist writings uh, on their website they have an article said that is titled uh, Why Feminism No Longer Sells. Here's a couple sentences from it. These feminists do not see the importance of a good marriage, a solid home life, children being reared reared by a mother and a father. Many who came of high-quality families with high-quality values for American society believe that has been one of the greatest downfalls. When the feminist movement failed to recognize the import of a nice, uh, excuse me, the importance of marriage, the family, and the home, they missed the greatest asset in building strength in their own organization. Um, it is a message, skipping ahead, that is anti-family. It actually says anti-family, but I'm sure they meant anti-family, and certainly has been strongly identified with the lesbian movement, which we all know to be composed of men-haters. Now, this is, uh, I won't subject you to more of this, but this is the, uh, the grade you. of stuff that they, they come up with when you... Uh, that's and, what the Heritage Foundation is about. And to think that radical feminists are going to them as allies. Right. That is the part that makes my head spin around. Yeah, I become... Uh, a little Linda Blairy in The Exorcist, okay? I'm just saying. Um, also, <laughs> who so, will clean up the piece of what? I mean, I just like again, apoplectic. Uh, I think that it is. Um, it, what is what is the drive to actually want to work with a group that has actively wished you harm just so you can try to what? What hate on somebody else? That again, it's it's beyond short sighted. It is beyond 
uh, it's harmful. And I think it is uh, super important to make sure that we call that out loudly whenever we see it. Um, and that we also call out the fact that when uh, you are espousing anti-trans, anti-non-binary gender uh, bigotry, you are not a feminist. It's a, it's a, in, a, it's an oxymoron, right? It cannot happen. As I, as I see the world, as I define words, as I use language, that cannot happen. Um, they are mutually exclusive. That all said, I want to go ahead and uh, welcome Amy onto the air. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Hey. Uh, so I think it's a, a super interesting topic, and I think that you really hit the nail on the head as far as defining what feminism is, because I think that people from different parts of the country and different uh, political leanings define the word differently yeah and uh, so i i think part of where the disconnect is is you know people recognize trans in different sorts of ways and so you know there are people out there that still are having a difficult time coming to grips with you know this is a part of our society this is a choice that people are making and they have the right to make that that choice and i think the disconnect for some feminists and and certainly not to say whether it's wrong or right or you know for everybody is that for a long time feminism was associated with getting rid of those expectations of what the gender norm should be yes uh to be feminine right so like you have to wear dresses yeah. and you have to wear makeup and you have to curl your hair and, and paint your nails and all that good stuff um and then when you have people that come in that say you know, I feel like I'm a woman inside and maybe they weren't born that way. And then this is how that manifests is, you know, by wearing makeup and, and doing nails and, and wearing dresses and, and curling their hair so that they um, appear to, to fit that norm. It, it kind of goes against what those people that were trying to get rid of that norm are working towards. And I think that might be where some of the angst comes in. Certainly some of the things that you guys have, have read from the Heritage Foundation are mind-blowing. Um, you know, I it's an wonder what your take is. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up because this is something I personally have wrestled with as as somebody who for years uh, eschewed anything that was even close to uh, what could be considered feminine, right? Um, even though what I, you know, how I have enjoyed expressing myself since I was a teenager is uh, pretty it's it's gender non-conforming okay I'm, it's it's gender non-conforming but I like dresses and I like playing with pretty colors and pretty colors means nail polish and makeup sometimes and I I like long hair I have long hair it's curly I, I, it just is and 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 so this is all all of that right and for several years, as I learned more about feminism and, and egalitarianism and uh, uh, the enforcement of the gender binary, I decided anything that was uh, branded traditionally feminine, I needed to, to get rid of. So I gave away my rather large collection of, can't say that word on the radio, um, uh, heels, 
Um, and because you know these were uh, a product of rape culture. Oh, I remember what you used to call them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so the uh, you know I had to, I gave those away. I I didn't wear makeup for twenty five years. I think it was. Uh, you know, throughout my earrings, all of that. Uh, didn't wear a skirt uh, for over fifteen years. Right. And then I realized that that is actually buying into that 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 binary uh, about as hard and, and and allowing other people to define me and what I'm comfortable with. Um, so that that was sort of my own path and journey. And now I have several friends who have transitioned uh, male to female, female to male, and watched how other people deal with what is expected when you announce a gender, I am of this gender, right? And it's an interesting thing because I was really uncomfortable uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get uh, uh, exposure <laughs> on the air. Uh, I was really kind of uncomfortable 20 years ago, 18 years ago, when Teresa started coming out because she wanted to wear makeup and and express herself in these very gender dichotomous ways. And I'm like, no, we have gotten rid of that. <laughs> and I was like, I'm invisible without the makeup. And I'm like, bah, bah, bah. And so this is, this is a part of our journey in figuring out who we are and how we express ourselves and what the struggle is like for each person as they are finding their way on the path, right? Um, and, and I hear from uh, folks that are maybe not so familiar with trans people that, um, you know, that, that here's somebody who says that they're a woman, but they don't put any effort into it. They don't look like they're a woman. They don't do like, you know, and it tells me, it's like, where does that, where does that take us? What does that even mean? Right. Um, so they're not dolling themselves up so they can't be a woman. And what does that mean for those of us that refuse to doll ourselves up anyway? Yeah. You know? And if someone's down on you, if you doll yourself up, well, then you're encouraging the gender binary and false <laughs> exactly. beauty standards. So there and is if you absolutely. don't, then you're, you know, what are you doing? You're not visible. It's a catch 22 yeah. and there is no winning. And it's, it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, uh, it's a very interesting Phenomenon. What was interesting to me uh, is the use of the word choice. And uh, yeah, I'm careful about using that myself because, uh, well, for example, when you break your leg, uh, you have a choice. You can uh, just let the leg be broken and let it not set, uh, possibly fester, become infected, uh, let it kill you. Or you can try to set it yourself, um, which doesn't work very well. If you can see what I'm going, what I'm saying is really ridiculous. And when your gender is broken, you really don't have a choice mm -hmm. to fix it. But um, a lot of people use, I'm not accusing you uh, of saying this, but a lot of people use the word choice in this frame, meaning that it actually that it's an illegitimate or a questionable choice. Um, and you wouldn't say that it's an illegitimate or a questionable choice to go to the ER and have your legs set once it was broken. But people do say that about trying to deal with gender dysphoria. And it's not just some feeling or well, a decision that you make. It's not sudden onset, and it's not... Well, I'm going to... I want to add to that. Slight. Yeah, go ahead. Um, which is, it was, you know, within the last couple of decades uh, that we have more or less turned the corner around uh, using the word choice for, um, for sexual orientation, Right. Uh, and that whole argument, uh, you know, that raged, uh, you know, it's 
just a preference. It's just a choice. Uh, whereas I was born this way, right? The the argument over what is queer identity, what what causes somebody to be gay, lesbian, bi, straight, uh, you know, is it a choice to be straight? Is it a choice to be gay? Right, and it used to, and choice used to be played uh, applied more to gay and lesbian. Exactly, that's that was my point. Yeah. That that we have just we have just I think more or less come all the way through that. So we we don't use that that term anymore. We don't talk about being gay and lesbian as having a choice. Um, and if anyone ever does, then I I, I do want to immediately want you to have that question in your own head. When did you choose to be straight? Okay, so. Uh, since we have just come through that gauntlet with gay, lesbian, bi identities, to to understand that we have to take it all the way through and that trans identity is also not a choice in these same lines. Um, all right, 503-231-8187, 14 minutes left, and woman is next. Good morning, woman. You're on the air. Hi, Ani. Hi, Teresa. Hi. Uh, Ani, you were right. They are controlling. Yeah. Uh, they want trans folks out of the bathroom, but they want access to our vaginas. And OBGYN, these Christian crazy people, mm-hmm. I listen to them on Catholic radio because I don't know anybody um, who's right-wing personally, so I have to listen to them on the radio. Uh-huh. I'm kind of shut in, so I listen to them on the radio to strengthen my arguments against them. Mm-hmm. You should hear them going on and on about how um, they want uh, privacy and everything. But yet when it comes to us and OBGYN, they want to be right there. Yes. It's an and, interesting <laughs> thing, isn't it? I just want to jump through the radio and just just, just throttle them with my tongue. <laughs> you know, I, to, that, to that end, woman, I just have to say, one of the best uh, uh, protest signs I think I've ever seen in, in the Internet's worlds uh, was a woman holding up a sign that said, if I registered my uterus as a corporation, would you quit regulating it? <laughs> Say that again. If I if I registered my uterus as a corporation, would you quit regulating it? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, and another thing I discovered, way back in the dark ages when I used to be one of them freakazoids, I realized when I wasn't liking the gay people, I didn't like myself. Mm-hmm. I did not like myself. I went and got some therapy, and I'm still getting it because I come from um, trauma. Yeah. But it occurred to me, people that don't like different are insecure in themselves. You are and so trauma, right. Trauma makes one um, not like themselves, and many of us yeah. are not getting therapy for it, and it's getting acted out. Yeah. And I also think that uh, folks, um, trans are men and trans are women. That's all. Mm-hmm. And I consider it more of what's good mm-hmm. if you like men and if you like women. And I like men and I like women now, you know, as people. Yeah. So if you're a little bit of both, I like you extra. <laughs> Call me prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> but I like you extra, and I don't doll up either. <laughs> Teresa, I support you all the way. I can't wait to meet you. I have never seen you, but I listen to you all the time. And Annie, you you just keep it up, but yeah, please keep stressing that how how they want to get in that OBGYN, and now he's talking about privacy, privacy. We don't want you going in the bathroom. Well, well, what do we have to put the word bathroom on the OBGYN to keep them out of the bath, the OBGYN and our vaginas? 
<laughs> Thanks very much, woman. Thanks very much. Okay, I'm going to go. All right. And, and, and have a great um, life, Teresa, and it's a nice show. Thank you. Thank you. Do you it take, again. Do it again soon. You take care. Great to hear from you. Um, yes, yeah, someday we're going to meet her. It'll be great. Uh, let's go ahead and take another call. 503-231-8187 is the number to call. We have just a, a little over 10 minutes. Uh, let's talk to Edward. Uh, good morning. You're on the air, Edward. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I have been waiting for so long to have a discussion uh, about this. Uh, Wait no longer, issue. Edward. It's your me? Wait no longer. It's your lucky morning. Well, okay, Teresa. Yes. Uh, you know, one of the arguments that's resonated with me and that's made me rethink, uh, you know, the dogma on the left uh, that's that, that's come into that's come into play in the last few years is 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 whether or not you are expressing. Uh, or you were expressing your male privilege as to de declaring yourself a woman. And, uh, you know, as, as much as a lot of people have been hating on Robin Morgan, uh, she's a writer that, that blew the top of my brain off back in the day when I first read Sisterhood her. is powerful. And, pardon Sis me? Sisterhood is powerful. Sisterhood is global. Yes. And sisterhood is not monolithic. And uh, when, 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 when Ms. Morgan is described as uh, a gatekeeper, you know, I'm wondering, Ani, if you're willing to be described as a gatekeeper to the, the the new normal in in feminist discourse concerning sure call me a gatekeeper male to, male to female transgenderism so i've i've where where are you i just going to go ahead and ask ed about where you're coming from cuz robin morgan an important feminist writer we absolutely completely disagree right on the yeah. essentialist argument. Mary Daly, an important feminist author. Uh, these are women that I read and I uh, that helped to form my thoughts on radical feminism. And then, you know, I have the advantage of being the next generation on from them. So I can take what they gave me and I can see the arguments that they made around egalitarianism, around biology not being destiny, and I can actually make sense of that and move it on further because we're progressive. And I'm taking right. the lessons that they have given and saying, wow, I am rather bummed that they didn't get it all the way, right? But every generation hopefully moves on from the work that has been handed down to us and takes it further. I loved Mary Daly's writing. I was over the moon <clears throat> when I got to meet her in 1987. And she told me that in a past life, we'd been lovers in ancient Egypt. <laughs> but okay, fine. Sure, my girlfriend at the time told me it was just a line. Whatever. Um, I I was so excited by that. In fact, uh, the name Positively Revolting comes from uh, some work that she did uh, in in uh, the Wicked Um But this is, th that 
that which was so important, Mary Daly wrote uh, works really dissecting language and, and looking at um, really high-level feminist theory. <clears throat> and then she would take all that and it would fall into the self-contradicting place. And she would start uh, uh, talking about uh, men uh, uh, impostering women, basically, stealing our identities. The last bastion of male privilege is to steal women's very identities. And that is hateful. It is actually mistaken. It is not scientifically based. And it, I'm sad that she didn't actually see all the way through that. She is, of course, the generation, actually probably two generations before me. But, uh, you know, Robin Morgan's work was important. And now we have learned more than that and we can move on. So I'm not going to be, you know, yeah, I'm fine calling them gatekeepers. I'm fine uh, talking about uh, women who want to make partnership with the Heritage Foundation to uh, get their hate on trans folks. Yeah, I'm fine gatekeeping them. They are not feminists. Thanks, Ed, for your call this morning, and I guess we'll move on now. Um, you know, you had mentioned rapid onset gender dysphoria. Yeah, right. And <laughs> I we have hit you. Watch out. We we have this. Uh, we we have one more call, but I don't want the show to to end without us getting back to that. And we only have about six minutes left, so I'm just I'm I'm just uh, underscoring that for a second, and want to make sure we have time for Vera. Good morning, Vera. You're on the air. Morning, Vera. Life's well, going fast, but I'm the last call. So, yeah. hey, I had to call in when I heard you talk about the Michigan Women's Festival because in California, in 19, I think it was 88, I went to a women's festival in the mountains of California where women were supposed to be camping out, just women, all women. And I happened to be going with a woman who was uh, into... Uh, DNS, dominance and yeah. submission, and they call it BDSM or whatever you want to call it. I was so thrilled to be out in the woods with women. I was so excited. And the same thing happened to me yeah. in California. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine my. I was. What? I was just going to say, imagine my surprise, because I was on security oh, yeah. crew. Imagine well, my surprise. Was, yeah, go ahead. I was floored. Yeah. I was floored that they were. We had to go out on the outskirts of the group because they didn't want us in the middle because we weren't allowed. So we found a secret place to go out near the rocks or wherever it was and do our BDSM thing. And I just felt shunned. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe what was happening. Did somebody like tell you you were a tool of the patriarchy? That was my something favorite. Something about the devil. Yeah. Yeah. That's even better. I, I don't know. No, I, I was, can't keep yeah. track of it. Tool of the patriarchy. Uh, the thing that floored me about that really the most was the I was on security crew. And so... Um, <clears throat> the last year I went, we were being really, really badly harassed uh, by local men driving down country roads, throwing roadkill at the gate, uh, shooting rifles into the woods uh, near me, right? Could see that, uh, could hear that. Uh, at some point had a hunter scope on me uh, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the woods, right? At the Michigan Women's Right. And, and through all of this, I'm told that my biggest priority is to make sure that no BDSM play parties are happening on the land. And I uh-huh. realized, okay, you are, uh, we, I, we have nothing more to say to each other. So I didn't go back the next year. Um, the whole gist, the whole gist of it is consensuality. Yeah, consent. exactly. And the whole gist of this particular, um, 
uh, strain of uh, folks who believe that they are radical feminists, but I believe are possibly delusional, uh, is control, the need to control. Uh, sex nannies, right? It's like I, I did not fight for sexual liberation and the ability to uh, to express myself as I feel I was born to express myself and be attracted to who I was born to be attracted to. I did not uh, fight for you. all of this just to have some women tell me I'm doing it wrong, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, in the whole scope of this thing, I believe it's all about perception. When I was a little girl, when I was a little girl, I was only about five years old, and I got a feeling for the beauty of woman uh, from looking at magazines. I got a hold of a naughty magazine when I was just a child, and I, I developed a love of women's bodies. And as I grew older, in my teen years, I loved cross-dressing and putting on a mustache sometimes because yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go to parties and pretend like I was a man so I could get next to the women just for, for kicks, you know? Yeah, but so I mean, I, again, you're you're being playful with gender presentation, and you're exploring yourself, and 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 yeah. Go, I, we just have a minute left, so I'm just if you could uh, wrap up. And, well, I'd like to talk to you off the air sometime because when you said that about the women's festival or in in the woods, I just had to call up here. I know you got to talk, but I would love to meet you sometime. My name's Vera, and hey, I Vera, would really you, like to talk. To you me. can email positivelyrevolting at gmail dot com. I'm going to do it. Positively so revolting, gmail.com. <laughs> thank you, Vera. It'll be good to talk. Um, All right. Bye-bye. Take care. And for uh, folks following along in the uh, Internet's worlds, want to follow along on social medias, you can find us on Facebook, Positively Revolting. You can find us in the Twitterverse, at Positive Revolt. And we have one minute left. <laughs> Teresa, we didn't get to wrap it on, said gender dysphoria. Yeah, well... Well, there is a backlash against trans women right now, and it's because of the Trump era. And uh, uh, ICE, uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement, is is killing women. There are is killing trans women. Uh, there are new bills popping up in the conservative states to make life harder uh, for trans women. And uh, as I've mentioned to you, Ani, I've just noticed that uh, people seem to be more comfortable about uh, snarling at me in public and I know that all trans women are experiencing this so we need to be aware it's happening and we need to support each other practicing solidarity like our lives depend on it have these conversations with your family and your peers uh, it is super important that we fight back hard against trans erasure and that we realize that I mean trans women trans women of color especially and trans teenagers are at huge risk for violence done to them and teenagers and at huge increased risk for suicide. And those risks only escalate as this climate of hatred uh, is, uh, uh, is growing. So it is time to fight back hard. Do it. Be good to each other. Be kind to each other. And practice solidarity like our lives depend on it. I'll be back next week. Take good care.
KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the Urban League of Portland Career Connections Job Fair on Tuesday, April 2nd at 10 a.m. at the Lloyd Center Mall in Portland. The Urban League of Portland Career Connections Job Fair features government, nonprofit, and private sector employers from around the Pacific Northwest who are looking for employees. Again, that's the Urban League Career Connections Job Fair on Tuesday, April 2nd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Lloyd Center Mall in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. This is KBOO Portland. The time now is 9 o'clock. Coming up next, KBOO's Linda Olson-Osterlin interviews William Arkin, former NBC journalist and author of Top Secret America, The Rise of the New American Security State. Linda will be taking your calls during the program. KBOO Community Radio starts our spring membership drive starting April 8th. And before that, we'd love to hear from you directly about why you support KBOO. My name is Mo, a KBOO volunteer, and I support KBOO because I grew up with KBOO. It's part of my life, and I feel having a community outlet like KBOO is so important because it creates a more vibrant community and a place where different ideas are not only heard but honored. Why do you support KBOO? Call us and let us know at 503-231-8032, extension 302, to leave a voicemail or tag us with your support on your social media posts. And thank you for supporting KBOO.